The games are underway, and DraftKings bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the Olympic Games in Tokyo and are offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. Again, that's up to $50,000 up for grabs. And the best part is that it's free-to-play. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during the day's events and track your results throughout the evening to see if you will achieve a victory. Questions will range from medal count to questions specific to the United States team. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN. And you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 and total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Guess what? It's August. Yeah, if you blinked twice on New Year's Day, you've made it seven months into the future. We're in the eighth month of what has been a very odd year to say the least. But we're here. We're talking Cavs basketball. Zach Weiss with you as always saying good evening for the second time. And the news is not as hard to come up with because there was a draft a couple of days ago. A fella named Evan was drafted by the organization. Evan Mobley, who we'll talk about in a moment. A Spanish fella named Ricky is coming to Cleveland. Oh, yeah, Ricky Rubio, who's had an NBA career spanning more than a decade. Ricky Rubio gets traded by the Suns. The Suns make the finals. Of course, they only made the finals because ex-Cav Cameron Payne was on that roster, but we've talked enough NBA finals over the last month. Ricky Rubio was back in Minnesota. Now he's in Cleveland. We'll talk about that. Isaiah Hartenstein not coming back, unfortunately. Likely part of the team drafting Mobley. They have enough bigs already there. We'll get to that. And just want to say one thing before I introduce today's guest. Australia. If they're able to win against Argentina and move into the Olympic semifinals on Tuesday, guess who they're playing? The United States. Della Vadova mm. versus JaVale McGee. So yes, yes, it's all about the Cavs because, duh, that's what this is. Dan Gilinski here with us today from King James Gospel. If you listen to Cavaliers Central Podcast with Justin Matcham, you hear this guy's voice a lot. Or our mutual friend, Rich Barrett with NBA UK Fans. We've both been on there to talk with him. Dan, pleasure to welcome you back in the dog days of summer, it seems. We're getting towards the end. Yeah, happy to be back, man. Uh, hope everything's going well. Yeah, you know, it's been good. And to be completely honest, last year I watched the fewest amount of college basketball games I have seen in my life, which basically means after the Cavs drafted, I pretty much tuned out, woke up the next morning to 300 Shams and Woj tweet notifications and scrolled through it for about an hour before getting up. And so I, I'd like to think, uh, Dan, that the Cavs did a pretty good job with the one pick they were entrusted to make. Yeah, I think it was, where they were at, I think it was kind of a no-brainer decision. Um, one could, uh, I guess, be in a different camp as far as what they could have done, but I wouldn't have at all entertained a trade down. Um, and I, I'm not personally a fan of Jalen Suggs. I, I think he's vastly overhyped, for example. 
And I like to me, I, I I'm just glad they didn't do anything kind of. I'm just glad they didn't overthink it. That's all, and from my perspective. And just a question about the Magic, real quick. <clears throat> you mentioned that about Suggs. I see them as a team that the Cavs are going to be in direct competition with this year. They're just like the Cavs, and I'll, I'll get to this in a moment. Very young. They have a three-guard set. Everybody is 21 or younger. R.J. Hampton, Cole Anthony, and now Jalen Suggs. You don't like Jalen Suggs? You're telling, you don't think that he's going to be really good next to Cole with R.J. Hampton getting some minutes next to both of them this coming season? Yeah, I, I'm not really a big buyer in them. Um, I, I like Barnes a lot. I really uh, – I, I like the move for Toronto. Um, I, I just think he's a guy – I don't think he can be viable off the ball. I don't buy his shot. Um, I, I don't think he's really a shot creator, frankly. Um, he's he – was on in a pretty ideal situation in, in his Gonzaga season. And I, I just think he's – a guy, I mean, defensively, I buy that. Um, he's, he's, he's athletic, yes, but he's not – I just – I don't see the upside that some are seeing with him. I, I, I don't think when you – when people talk about somebody's, like, the intangibles and a leadership element in, like, the first few, I guess, selling points for a guy, I, I just – I don't really buy that, frankly. Uh, no, that's fair. Those are some good points. I was I was shocked when Toronto didn't take him because I was under the impression that they're going to get a natural too. Lowry moving on. They want someone to pair with Van Vliet is going to be a more natural point guard. But regardless, the draft was interesting. We only had to worry about one pick. And with Evan Mobley, assuming, and I see no reason this won't happen, that Jared Allen gets re-signed, I saw a post from Cavs Classics on Instagram, which I reposted onto Twitter yesterday, which I'm still getting interactions up the wazoo, and I very much enjoyed some of the responses. Everyone is shocked that assuming Allen's re-signed and the Cavs waste no time with trying to get rid of Kevin Love or minimize his role, the oldest starter would be 23 years old. The tweet was like if you're older than every player in the Cavs starting lineup. And it seems, Dan, that uh, people in their mid-20s are having a midlife crisis already uh, with that realization. Yeah, that's that's pretty much exactly where, where it is. And I, I think it's kind of just showing that this team is just getting things started. I think they're this next season going to kind of hitch on a little bit. I think they're going to really – I think they're going to have – some difference makers from here and um, we'll have to see on the Allen Mobley fit, but um, I, I think it's definitely going to be able to enhance the young backcourt. And looking at that youth, because obviously we knew Dan, how young the Cavs were last year, but I don't think it hits you until you see a graphic like that. And even for me seeing that, do you think maybe we were all a little – I know injuries played a part. We were all too hasty last season given how young they are. We expected them to keep the winning going when none of them had big experience yet? Well, I don't think objectively people were really that buying into the initial like quarter of the season start. Uh, well, not well, not exactly. A little more than quarter. But um, just with all the – yeah, like you said, the injuries played into it, but the – schedule kind of hit them like a like a brick 
kind of going into the all-star break there. And um, even though they did kind of make a bit of a push toward like kind of getting themselves in the plan, then um, unfortunately it just seemed like they sort of ran out of gas there. Um, that game at the Wizards in, in late April just seemed like, like how that game ended out. I mean, regardless of the guys that got hurt in it, um, it just seemed like the Cavs were just kind of out of gas at that point. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Still a very fun season all in all. It's probably going to be the only time in my life I'm able to watch every single game just based on the fact that it's hard to make time every single night, but they were just so fun to watch. And speaking of – They so were. Yeah. yeah. No doubt. And obviously it was still a blast. But speaking of fun to watch, Cavaliers brought in a point guard. He's shooting 39% in his career, but that number does not bother me at all. This is a guy that is an assist magnet. He had some very impressive years in Utah. He had a good season for the Phoenix Suns as part of their cultural overhaul. Now he's coming to Cleveland after a year in Minnesota. Dan, his name is Ricky Rubio. He averaged six assists and nine points on a Timberwolves team that was putting in guys that casuals have never heard of and even big-time fans have never heard of by the end of the season, and yet – he found a way to be decent in a very awkward situation. So I think that that fact that he stayed true, he played 68 of 72 games, is a promising number as he figures to be the sixth man on next year's team. Yeah, I, I think it was a good move um, for the Cavs. And it gets, obviously, Rubio is, is not the cheapest bench um, reserve guard in the world. But, I mean, it's with – I think it was a good way for them to make use of uh, the Prince deal. Um, he, he was a viable player for him. I thought he actually did pretty well when he was in there, but there were too many health concerns. Um, you had to think that the Cavs were going to kind of cash in on him, um, given the rumors around the past deadline anyway. But I, I really like what Rubio can bring to this team. I think it's kind of a nice contrast between him and Garland, who's um, more of a shot creating guy. I mean, obviously he's a, a good passer in his own right, but um, Rubio is instantly the best passer on his team, and I think in like, I don't know, maybe 18 or so, 19 minutes a game, um, can can really take some burden off Garland, and, and frankly, allow him to kind of shop on a little bit more. Yeah, and I, I see this as an interesting fit, because kind of like how when he did play last year, Delhi played some minutes of both guard spots. I think we'll also see minutes of Garland and Rubio together because I think that oh, yeah. if he's playing well, I'd love to see what he can also do next to Garland because we know Darius is a very good passer who can shoot. I think Rubio might get some nice catch-and-shoot opportunities. And I do think, mm-hmm. Dan, just like we're, the, the guy we're going to talk about in a moment who we led with Evan Mobley is going to be doing, I think Rubio will be an improved three-point shooter this season. Um. Yeah, I have my reservations about that, um, objectively, but we'll see. I mean, they're going to be open looks, you would think, but I think with him, I mean, he has at least developed, like, over time, a, a fairly respectable floater, has has a push shot, um, can hit some mid-range pull-ups, like, out of the PNR when guys um, are dropping. So, to me, that's kind of more what, what to expect from him in the scoring sense. Yeah, no, but I'm excited. I feel like over the years, the Cavs really have lacked like very dynamic guards. 
as far as the point guard position goes. The only two I can genuinely think of, no disrespect to my favorite player of all time, but he's still just an average player at the end of the day. The only two really good guards they've had have been Mo Williams and Kyrie Irving since 2008. I mean, they haven't had anybody above and beyond. So Darius Garland's going to get to that point. But to get an established player like, like Rubio, I think, Colin always talks about how Delhi was such a good mentor for him right. in different situations. I think Rubio having the experience playing for Spain, you know, a couple of playoff teams in Utah, I think he brings a lot of positives to the table for just for that aspect, from that aspect, rather. Yeah, I, I'm exactly with you there. Um, I'm with uh, our buddy Mac Perry as well on that. I, I think he'll be a really um, crucial contributor off the bench. And I think it's just more of a security blanket for the Cavs um, for a guy that can be a spot starter for you, especially because objectively, I just think Darius Garland, um, whether people want to admit it or not, I think injuries are going to be a part of his career. And I, I think it'd be nice, honestly, to me, I mean, if this works out, of course, but I think Rubio is a guy that they could potentially like be able to come to an agreement with in the next off season. If, I mean, if he looks viable and, and has a, has an, or provides um, impactful minutes, I think it's a guy that could maybe come to an agreement on something reasonable as well. And Ricky Rubio, as far as durability goes, he was limited to just 22 games in 14-15. He played 75, 76, and 77 over the next three. Over the last two years, he played, I believe, all but seven games for the Suns during the bubble-shortened season, and he only missed four this year. So he's been healthy, did average a career low in points. The assists were obviously down, but his steals are up. His free throw percentage is good, which you like to see because the Cavs are always – steadily one of the worst free throw shooting teams and they have been with LeBron without LeBron there's, there's always something in that area so I'm glad that he can hit them he'll get to the line a little bit mm -hmm. but I, talking about shooting I want to I want to make sure we cover this before we move on to our next subject of free agent fines Evan Mobley mm -hmm. shot Dan 12 out of 40 from three at USC but I see several things in that one little stat the first is that he made 12, so it's not like it was a fluke. He was trying. When the shot was there, he was taking it. Number two, he was not deterred by some struggles because obviously when you miss 28 out of 40 of anything, no matter what you're doing, it's bad, unless we're talking baseball. But even so, 12 out of 40 is not good. If you're hitting 300 later, that's another story. It's not good. However, the third thing is that he's obviously putting in the work and he's continu continuing to put them up. And I say this, and I'll pass right to you. Jaron Jackson Jr. was not a three-point specialist at Michigan State, I believe, and you can quote me on this or check it. He made 0.8 per game during his one season there, which basically tells you he's not elite. It's basically one per game, a little more than Mobley. But when he got to the NBA and he's been healthy, he's had games of five, six, even seven. I see Evan Mobley, and I see what him and Allen do as a mirror image of what Memphis had for the previous two years before just trading Jonas. JJJ and Jonas, I see Allen and Mobley like that. You got the four man who can play both spots that can shoot. You got a nice yeah. smooth five in there that can do it on both sides. Right. Yeah. I, I, one of our contributors, Justin um, Brownlow, has kind of touched on how he doesn't admittedly 
want Mobley to just become Jared Jackson. He thinks he, I mean, that's kind of a floor for him um, to an extent and kind of being maybe not having as much of an offensive role and more of just a catch and shoot guy to some extent, which, I mean, I, I kind of see where he's coming from, but um, Jackson at the same time, I mean, Mobley's shot does not look wonky like Jackson. I mean, regardless of the percentages that he's had, but I, yeah, I'm with you um, in the sense that I think I I buy his shot. I think he'll be a viable catch and shoot player. I don't think it, I mean, what he was able to show in the like EYBL, um, AU, what have you, um, he has a, a clean stroke, um, and his wingspan, I, like people are not contesting a Evan Mobley shots. I mean, if he misses a shot, it's not going to be from hard closeouts. That's not going to have any effect on him, but, um, I, I like it. I think he has, I mean, he's got a really nice touch around and on push shots on floaters. Um, I think he was in the 92nd percentile on floaters last year. Um, that shows promise. Not a lot of young bigs have that. Um, in like right away, I think he does. He, he can hit mid-range uh, fadeaways, um, has mid-post uh, passing abilities. I think that helps him as well. Um, I, I buy a shot. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, Brooke Lopez, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic are the only three natural centers I can name you with a legitimate floater. So Evan Mobley would be in a very nice list. And obviously losing Delavadova, we need a guy with a great floater to come back. Uh, besides Darius Garland, of course, he's got a nice one. So, yeah, I like the fact you mentioned, and I haven't watched a lot of Evan Mobley tape, obviously. Oops, sorry, I have a Cavs podcast that break down the Cavs. I know that, but I'm not a big watch college tape. I'm a, okay, read up as much as possible, maybe watch a few highlights, but make the decision based on the general consensus, the numbers, and how he does against high-level competition. If I gave you... An over-under of 53s, assuming Mobley plays in pretty much every game. Will he beat that, or do you think that's a little high, given that he's shooting from a little farther with the NBA line? Are you saying, like, he makes 53s? Over-under for the season of 53s. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'd take the over. I, I think he's – I think it'll take some time for him to, like, to then for his role to be, like, really ironed out. Um, but – yeah, I think that's I'd, – I'd take the over on that. I think, I mean, he could make – I wouldn't be inconceivable to me for him to make one a game. I don't think that's that out of question, no. And as far as rebounding goes, because obviously for a long time, a big area where the Cavs get beat is, in fact, on the offensive glass mm-hmm. where they just can't pull it down. Will having two seven-footers be a good thing just given the natural size, or might it mean that teams might be tempted to shoot more jumpers and get more long rebounds now that we're going to have two big guys likely in there together? Um, yeah, I think for the Cavs, I think in a way, I think with those two, um, I think it's almost they want to take the – uh, I would say like clipper route in that they kind of want to force teams into their, into help um, to kind of collapse things a little bit inside the arc and, and make teams kind of be lulled into taking tough twos. Um, I, I think to me, that's what the uh, ideally what they should be looking to do and then allow their length to recover. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm not too, I, I understand like Mobley for his size. I mean, certain people do have, 
um, defensive rebounding concerns. I, I'm not making a huge deal out of that. I mean, they probably will give up some offensive rebounds, but um, I, I think it's something that you can kind of live with. And, and I think with him, he's going to allow the guys to be more aggressive um, in the passing lanes of how much he can recover. And I think he's a guy that will get his share of deflections just with his length and with his recognition off the ball. So I, I'm not too, too concerned about it, though. No, no doubt. I just wanted to know. I'm very excited to watch him play. Point. Yeah, everyone on the Cavs is young. I mean, 20, 20, 21, 22, and 23 for five starters. I don't know how that's possible, how it happened. You got some people joking they could beat the 72 and 10 Bulls. Some say 14 wins. Some are saying 25. And I'm not asking for prediction yet because we don't know how free agency is going to go or what the schedule is going to look like because obviously the teams with the hottest ads – and the players that go to rival teams are going to get all the the attention when they're making it. We'll divulge the schedule later once it comes out and break it down another episode. But I do think we're going to have a solid season. I think that anyone saying 20 and 62 needs to just take that take. Yeah, kick rocks, shove it in a bottle, throw the bottle in the ocean and drain the ocean with the bottle inside of it. So a boat doesn't just find it way out at sea. Cause we don't need to see that. And free agency is around the corner. I believe it starts tomorrow. They can start talking. It can become official on Saturday, Friday. I think it's Friday um, afternoon. I think tomorrow at, like Monday at six, I think negotiations can start. Uh, yeah, I know my I phone is going to be blowing up. I'm going to, I'm away from it during the day this week. So I, I'm going to come back and see that every single player from every single playoff team just decided to up and leave and switch it up. But regardless, we're talking about the Cavs side of things. And I'm going to give you a few names here and I'll let you go and I'll throw a couple others. I wrote an article last night. And I came up with five potential names. I was obviously inspired by some of them. Our good friend, Braden Todd, who's just a fantastic Cavs analyst. But he's a young guy. He, he would be, yeah. I think he'd be the sixth oldest player in the Cavs graphic. We put him, I think he's 18. So, I mean, the kid is just a basketball whiz. I really hope that, that he's got a career in media so we can continue to read his work at a high level. Anyway, though, I saw some names from him. These were my five names. Number five, obviously, Bryn Forbes. You already know how I feel about Bryn Forbes. And I do think still he could add value at this at two and potential if they go small lineup three. I know that's, that would be super small, but I mean, he can shoot. He outscored Jimmy Bow in a playoff series. That, that's that. Number four, I believe I had – okay, I'm not going to go in order. I had David Nawaba obviously on my list. He is a free agent. He should be healthy now. And we know what he did when he was in Cleveland the first time. I have Alec Burks, potential return. I saw that from a couple other people. I think Burks can play anywhere from the one to the three. The postseason and the bubble he had with Philly combined with his unreal season with the Knicks, if we can afford him on a short deal and he likes Cleveland, I would love to have Alec Burks. I think Alec Burks is the guy that can win you a couple of games. Uh, I had Josh Hart, the most unlikely of all the names I have, just given his likely price tag, but Josh Hart, plays his tail off. I mean, obviously he likes Larry Nance. There's one factor. Pelicans will probably match an offer, but I think he's a good three and D guy. He's also had a number of double digit rebounding gains. Very impressive at his size. I'm actually going to pull it up because I cannot remember name number five. It is eluding me right now. 
Name number five on my list was, oh, okay. Maybe this is a joke. Maybe it's not. The Cavs already have an Isaac. The Cavs don't have an Isak. He's 22. He plays great defense. Doesn't know how to shoot to save his life. Thank goodness, thanks to the Varejao effect of last year, they're not going to let anyone wear 17, so he has to change his number. But I think Isak Bonga is cheap. If they if they strike out on everybody, I think Isak Bonga, Dan, will be a nice defensive piece who just kind mm-hmm. of is a – he's a poor man's a Coro, but even so, if you're a poor version of a rookie who's already very good, I still think that's a good thing. But I, t- I turn the mic over to you. Yeah, I, I'm I am big on the you know, I I'm gonna say I'll just kind of recycle um Burks and um Josh Hart. I really like those two um as potential targets. Uh I just think with Burks, I mean you you're the only I mean the question with him kind of is health, um, realistically, but I like those two. Um and Hart is a really good defender, really heady player. Um I, I think he can allow the Cavs to kind of push pace a little bit. I think he's it's kind of an underappreciated um, kind of secondary playmaker as well. Um, and, and as you touched on, really, really good rebounder. Um, and then from there, I, I like Sterling Brown. I think he has um, still there's some potential there as a shot creator. I think he's, he's shown flashes and with more of a role last season with Houston um, came on and I like, I'm kind of bullish on him looking onward, but um, I guess the Mavs are rumored to be like a, I think the top potential landing spot for him. So we'll see there, but, um, and then Bonga is, is a really good defender. I, I get that. But to me, um, I, I really like Reggie Bullock. I don't know if the Cavs would be able to afford him, but I just think he's a guy that's a really reliable vet, really uh, just, established shooter um i i buy that with him um i think there's he's you can trust him game to game um can start or come off the bench for you um, so i like him it's a good and option then, i like reggie bullock i I'd not thought of him actually yeah he's he's a, a really uh, just a reliable player um and then for the fifth i'm gonna go with Honestly, I actually, this is going to be kind of off the beaten path, but I think the Cavs, like if they offered or did an offer sheet for Sfi Mihailuk, um, I don't think he would really cost much, but I think he can play the two and three for you. Mm-hmm. Um, is an established shooter, um, good movement shooter. Has shown flash as a, as a career. And I, I like, I mean, defensively, he's, generally pretty sound so that's kind of what i, I just kind of float out there yeah Svi Maka- Svi, i mean Ma- Maha- is the cave in pronounced in there Ma- Maha- i think it's Maha- i think it's M- mckay luke I- i'm not entirely sure 100 okay. though so. i'm gonna but say I like, he, his, I like his game he played with lebron so i mean that would be right. pretty cool yeah and exactly. number two has there ever been a cavalier brother duo because Shannon Brown began his career with the Cavs. We could get Sterling Brown. I think that would be really cool. It would. But I, 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 so I didn't even realize this about Sterling Brown. I watched a lot of Rockets games last year. I did not realize that uh, he had 45% from the field, 42 from three, 91 out of 215. And, yes, I did watch him make a lot 
I also watched him be terrible for stretches because the Rockets are just a wacky team to watch with John Wall running the offense. But yeah. I like John. Yeah, I do see Mavericks in pole position, but I mean, there's a lot of options. Any, this won't happen because he wants to chase a ring, deservedly so. Any, any chance of a Danny Green reunion, or is that just that just going to be no conversation? I, I was initially concerned about a couple of weeks ago, but I, I just I don't think there's any way at this point. I think this is coming into realistically his last year, so yeah, I don't I don't see it. That's fair. And what about what about Garrett Temple, who I think gets not nearly enough credit for the transformation he's had from what a ten day, ten day, ten day G League overseas, whatever, to being one of the most consistent shooters I think in the league as far as hitting shots goes. I think he's available. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I get it from a, a locker room standpoint. Still a, a decent defender, but I, I just – I don't know what kind of role, like, projection it would be with him um, just because he, he's a, a capable shooter, but I, I don't really know how much of an impact shooter he is. Like, I, I don't know if he's going to create a lot of space and have an impact game-to-game on the floor is, is the only thing, but um, it, it's a reasonable point. I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not going to say it's not, uh, but I, I just, I do wonder, I, I mean, we kind of talked about this on, um, I think it was maybe a podcast with either Justin or Mac. I don't remember, but I do wonder a bit what it, a restricted offer sheet would be for um, Hamidou Diallo. Uh, I just, I like, what he provides, I, I would expect the Pistons to match it, but um, I, I just wonder if there's a possibility that they could just maybe offer like a two-year, $8 million deal with maybe some of the mid-level, or if they wanted to use the biannual, I mean, I would, again, I would imagine the Pistons would match whatever, but it, I'm just kind of curious about him as all. Well. Yeah, the Pistons acquisition of Diallo was a weird one just get the, it was weird for okc to make that trade i guess they needed something it was a year I guess one that's year the older thing but yeah yeah no Svi was very good for, i'm pretty sure Svi cooked the calves uh i don't remember i don't even know if we beat the thunder in that second game but i know Svi was shooting it well I, I like watching him so he'd be a fun a fun guy a lot of these names are so i'm gonna ask one more question because i was a little surprised but then again not when the calves traded mckinney Last year over to L.A. I, I don't remember who else was in that deal, but then they got McGee. Are there any guys to watch perhaps as trade candidates for the Cavs, maybe make a late summer uh, addition to maybe try and find somebody they couldn't get in free agency, kind of like how they did get JaVale last season in the summer? Well, I, I honestly think Larry Nance um, Jr. is definitely a trade, potential trade piece just because I think the Cavs still do need to, um, I mean, Fedor touched on this before, but I just, I think wing shooting is, I, I get with Prince that he was providing that when he was healthy, but again, that netted you a, a quality backup point guard, which was, there was a clear need. So I think Nance could be a guy that could help you get that sort of player, whether it be like a playmaking tertiary type wing that can, be a high-level defender like a Kyle Anderson, uh, or um, I, I just think with Nance is the one that could actually net the Cavs like a quality quality wing. I, I think that's a guy to watch 
Um, and then another one is, I mean, it's it's got to be Jetty just because some teams might see the playmaking, could maybe see that he has shown floor spacing abilities in the past or at least catch and shoot viability. I think those two, um, they kind of have, I mean, they kind of have pop, popped up in rumors. I, I think those are the two that I look at. I'd be okay with a Jetty trade. Obviously, Larry Nance Jr., I feel like the the economy of Cleveland would feel that more than the actual Cavs organization, just given his unfortunate health situation. But it speaks volumes yeah. to what he did last season. I mean, there's some oh, great yeah. people out there, but he he just was every single game, even when he was hurt, he had other he had other guys stepping up to help him out. I mean, oh yeah, it was very he's yeah very honorable guy, no doubt. And let's just say that he does get traded. And this is probably in a, w- a weird question, so bear with it. I know that even though Larry Jr. is wearing 22, that is still hanging in the rafters. There's no chance, just based on his limited uh, contributions, that 22 goes up twice, right? It's just going to be his dad. and There's nothing that that's really going to be done about that. Yeah, I just I don't think that's really that. I just don't think he's been around long enough to me where that's realistic yeah i was just just curious i know and it doesn't matter what he does there it's still cool that he repped his dad's jersey in the dunk contest that he's gotten to wear the number i mean we're oh, yeah, it is. and we're lucky enough to be at a point right now uh us both being in our mid to late 20s where a lot of nba players right now had fathers in the league and they're starting to come through i mean uh we had gary trent is another one he's already surpassed his dad and he's only played yeah. a couple of years but obviously there's a bunch of other ones. I just, my mind isn't there. I don't have it pulled up kind of speaking from memory, but there's, there's others. And I just think it's so cool to see that. Oh, Kenyon Martin Jr. Obviously what a very nice season. I mean, one of my first jerseys as a he's kid. He's very was, fun to watch too. Yeah, he could dunk. He's got a nice jumper. I mean, you know, one of my first jerseys was a Kenyon Martin gray net in 2000. So it's, oh. it's yeah, it, that's uh, growing up in Jersey. I was obvious people don't, what people don't know about me. This is the secret confession. I was a Nets fan until I was seven, before I became a Cavs fan. So I didn't just start watching as a Cavs fan. I was a Nets fan first. So I did have a very nice Kenyon Martin jersey. So there's yeah, the, there right. it is. But anyway, as we wrap up, just one more question here, Dan, as you got free agency starting tomorrow, things become official next weekend. One name if you could have any free agent within reach that we haven't mentioned yet, who would you most want the Cavs to bring in with that last roster spot to be an impact player? Because obviously at the wing spot, Windler's had some major health issues. We're unsure about Dean Wade's role. We still don't know what's happening with number zero yet. Who would you most want to see the team bring in? I'm kind of with you. Um, I hate to borrow it um, in a lazy manner, but, I really liked Alec Burks when he was here. Um, I, obviously, I don't blame them for – it's a time dealing, and I really don't. Um, but I, I think that's a guy that – again, I don't think there's really that high of a possibility that they could get him. But I, I really like what he can do on the ball. He's a, a, an underrated passer, too. Um, has – just makes heady plays, makes heady ball swings, very – makes a ton of hockey assist passes that don't necessarily juice up his, his assist totals, but 
just a heady player, um, is a reliable defender still. Um, there, there are some nagging injury issues with him in the past, but really balled out last season. And uh, I, I think just what he does is a shot creator, but it is also viable off the ball. Um, I, I think he could really give them a lift. I do hope that happens. And I watched one Alec Burke Cavs game in person. And it just happened to be the game where he dunked all over Brooklyn and won it. So, I mean, I'm biased. Oh, there you much, go. Yeah, I'm biased how much I like Alec Burks. And I just think that since he's been on the Cavs, he's been with what, Sacramento, Philly, and New York. He's gained more valuable experience. I just think that he's always been this guy. I remember his early Utah days, he was a beast. But just like uh, Spencer right. Dinwiddie, another Colorado kid that needed time just to prove what he's got because he could never stay healthy. So we'd love to see him come back. You know, he can't wear the same number again, unfortunately, but I'm sure there's plenty of other options for him. But on oh, that yeah. note, Dan, it has been fun to, you know, just, uh, just lay it all out there. I know it's going to be a crazy week, and I, I'm thinking the Cavs are going to surprise us one way or another. I don't think, given that the Cavs were not super aggressive on draft day, they made the Rubio trade, which was nice. They took Mobley, but they did nothing else. So I'm thinking early on, they're going to be players for one or two names, however many roster spots they got. Um, I'm eager, excited, and nervous. Yeah, it's uh, – I wouldn't expect, like, a huge splash just because of the Jared Allen stuff. But I I do think that they're going to use the, the MLE. And Fedor reported that it could be for one guy or, or split up between two um, if, if they do go that route. So we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we absolutely will. But Dan, it has been a pleasure and I'm glad we could finally reunite after uh, way too long. Yeah, always, always a blast, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. So for Dan Galinsky of King James Gospel, I am Zach Weiss. You've been listening to Across the Cavs back very soon. A big week ahead. Continue to watch Evan Mobley's progress. And Summer League is just a couple of weeks away. Get excited. Actually, wait, isn't it? Is it, is it next weekend? Is it next weekend? Um, yeah, I think it's start. I think it's the 8th to the 17th. Okay, so, so pardon I what believe, I just said. Yeah, starts next, I think like Sunday afternoon, I believe. All right, guys, one week from Cav Summer League where the next P.J. Tucker can be spotted. But that is it for this time. Dan Galinsky, Zach Weiss. See you later.